going to go ahead and start. I want to open up with a scripture in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4 this morning. So we just come before the presence of the Lord. I believe this is going to be a special day. Amen? You know, David in the book of Psalms said, I will bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, I will bless His holy name. David understood that the key to the presence of the Lord was to align his heart. And so he said, I will bless the Lord, O my soul. And we've got a full day today, but God is going to just pour out his spirit. I'm coming. How many of you came with expectancy today? You know, we we serve a big God who loves to do great things. And I want to read a scripture very familiar in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus who came in from Nazareth, he sat in a synagogue and he opened the scroll, Isaiah 60, and it says that he began to quote, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and is he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and to recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those that are bruised, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. It's the year of acceptance, the year of affirmation, and that's what Jesus did. He was the fulfillment of the old covenant promises, and we believe that that same dispensation of grace is upon us today. Amen? God wants to do something today. He wants to pull back the veil. And he wants you to see how Jesus is the answer. He is the answer for everything in our life. Let's just lift up our hands. Father, we come before you this morning with faith. We come, Lord, with expectancy, Lord. We come with our eyes set upon you. Lord, you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And Lord, we know that you who have begun a great and a good work, you're faithful to complete it. We ask you right now, Lord, that you would just take control of this service. Lord, you would direct our thoughts and our hearts. We pray for all those that are coming today, Lord, would be lifted and just transformed by the power of your love. Lord, we thank you that you're the God of the impossible. You're the God who works supernatural. You work abundantly above all that we can ask or think, even right now. Father, there is no problem that is too big. There's no issue too great in our life, Lord, that you cannot come and transform and bring life and liberty and breakthrough in every area of our life. We love you, Lord. We direct our thoughts towards you this morning. Lord, we ask you that you would come and heal our nation. We pray, Lord, that you would minister in every church. Lord, there would be such an anointing and such power in every light, in every service, Lord. As people all across our nation is meeting, we pray that you would pour out your spirit in a mighty way. Father, we thank you and we look to you. And everyone said, amen. Turn to someone and give them a hug this morning as we come and celebrate Jesus this morning.
Amen. Amen. God is good to us this morning. Awesome.
God is doing something in this nation. But he's doing something first in his kingdom. There's a move that's spreading in our planet, y'all. I don't know if you guys know it. But God is doing something in the hearts of his people. People who had no hope are starting to see the plan that God has for him and her. They're starting to see the beauty of the story of Jesus come alive in their life. What it, what it means to live life more abundantly. thank you that you begin to stir within us the heart of the Father because your word said that you will turn the hearts of the Father towards the children and then you will turn the hearts of the children towards the Father Lord we know that we will we could not have a passion for you more than what you have a passion for us Lord and I just thank you that you are stirring within us Stir within us, Father, that the move, the the Holy Spirit unctioning, the, the word of the Lord for your people, and then the word of the Lord from your people that goes across this land. Lord, let us begin to think outside of ourselves. Let us begin to think outside of of just what's going on in our heart, God, but let us see how you see things. Lord, and then as we look through your eyes, you start to install that place that we you have for us.
no place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be than here in your love. Here in your love. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than here in your love. Here in your love, no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. But here in your love, here in your love, to set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul. Let me keep continuing. Let me keep control. I want more of you, God. And I want more.
It's gonna burn away the drought that you've had. And I'm gonna water you with my spirit, with the Holy Ghost and fire. It is coming, it's coming, it's here right now. It is coming to touch every heart from the little babies i'm gonna touch every age every age every age i'm gonna touch every age with my spirit it's not gonna pass one it's gonna touch every one of you if you lift your voice if you cry out oh god do it in me lord upon him he wants to he wants you to lift your voice lift your voice to the lord your god oh he is worthy he is worthy 
The Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Amen. How many of you know the Lord wants us people free today? He doesn't only want you free, but He wants you to have the joy of the Lord in your life. I have an announcement to make that our God is for us and He's not against us. Amen. The Bible says, who can bring a charge against any of God's elect? For if God is for us, who can be against us? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're awful special. You're awful special to him. You're very special. You're very important to the Lord. In fact, Jesus saw such value in you that the Father sent His only Son to die on the cross because He saw value in you. You know, the devil loves to bring condemnation and terror the church down. He loves to tear people. But Jesus comes to restore that sense of value. You have value. You have favor. And the Bible says in 1 Peter that you are God's own special people. You're special. Amen. How many of you know that? You're special. And that's what he does. The Bible says, 
old things pass away, behold, I make all things. Everyone say all things. He makes all things new. Amen. Behold, I will do a new thing. I believe God is doing something new right now in the lives of people. And you know what? He's putting a new vision in your life. He's putting a new dream. He's restoring that dream in your heart. The Bible says he makes all things possible. He makes all things possible. If our ushers could come, we're going to go ahead and we're going to take communion this morning. We're going to celebrate the table of the Lord. I want to, you may be seated while the ushers are coming this morning. You know, the Bible says that the, uh, the feast of Passover, everyone say feast. God intended that the feast of Passover be a celebration. He never intended it for it to be a time of mourning. He intended it to be literally a party. How many have ever been to a party? Some of you are lying. I'm sure you, some of you have, have had a birthday party. Well, do you, do you know that God is the one who actually invented the first party? I know, I know that sounds odd to some of you because you never thought that you could actually be happy in church. Some of you come out of backgrounds where the church was so dead and so morbid and so serious, God actually invented. He invented and he's, he introduced the very first party because he wanted his people happy. Do you know we have a Father in heaven? who loves to rejoice over you with joy. That's the kind of father we serve. We have a father who loves to give good gifts to his people. And today we have just kind of this, uh, unfortunately, we've, 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 some of us have come out of backgrounds where you, you never thought you could be free to celebrate in what Jesus has done for us. It's called the Feast of Passover for a reason. Because Jesus has taken your judgment. Judgment has passed over your life and the full blunt of punishment and, and the uh, punishment for sin and judgment was taken in the very body of Jesus so that you could be free, so that you could celebrate, so you could be not only forgiven but made whole in his name this morning. And Jesus said this, he said, when we come together, he said, we are to do this in remembrance. We are to celebrate and we're, we are to remember. Everyone say remember. We're to remember some things. He said this, my body was broken for you. His body was broken so you would no longer be a victim. So you would no longer feel like you're held hostage to your past. He was broken so you could be made whole. Now some of us, we may say, well, pastor, I don't really feel very whole. Well, thank God he's delivered us from how we feel. We need to walk by what we know rather than how we feel. Because the facts are, is that Jesus has restored you to the Father. And he's made you whole and he's made you complete. And the Bible says he's made you perfect in his sight. That's what Jesus has done. And the second thing he's done that we are to celebrate is that he's restored us. He's, he's broken that poverty and that slave, that orphan spirit. And he's brought us into the family where we are now sons and daughters of the king. 
And he wants us to know that we have rights, we have privilege, we are a blessed people because what Jesus has done for us at Calvary. And he says, do this in remembrance. And he knew that, that we would have a struggle because when you are born again and you're a believer, Jesus knew that you would be a target. You know, Satan comes, the Bible says in Revelations 12 that Satan comes to accuse the brethren day and night. Satan comes to condemn and accuse you. That's why we we need to remember what Jesus did for us at Calvary. Amen? And today we celebrate the fact that we are no longer sinners. But we are now sons and daughters of the King. I am no longer an alcoholic. I'm not a drug addict. I am more than a conqueror in Christ. Amen? I'm not in recovery. Now, I am an overcomer. Everyone say overcomer. You may say, well, pastor, I still am tempted. It doesn't matter. You're still an overcomer because it's not what you are in your own strength. It's who you are in Christ. It's who you are in Christ. Everyone say in Christ. If any man be in Christ, old things pass away and all things become what? New. New things. And so we celebrate something. I want to read a scripture to you in John's Gospel, chapter 6. A very important text. When Jesus was reading or speaking to the, the, the 5,000 one day, when he, was, he had just uh, turned the loaves and fishes, multiplied them, and then he began to turn to the disciples and to the crowd. He says, do not, do not labor for the bread which perishes. In other words, he he was saying, I I don't want you to be so caught up and concerned about just making a living. But he says, I want you to labor for the bread that has come down from heaven. And Jesus said this, he said that I say unto you, unless you eat my flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. And Jesus was talking about Consuming, In fact, eating is a very, very intimate operation. When you begin to eat something, it means you are taking it inside of you. You're bringing it in. And whatever you eat, it becomes the very part of your life. And Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now what he was talking about there, he was talking about understanding that Jesus' own flesh, his own body, the very blood of Jesus. When we, by faith, in this act of faith through communion, we begin to celebrate the Passover. When you, by faith, begin to eat this bread and drink this blood, what it means is that God transforms your very life. It transforms you. In fact, the very blood of Jesus begins to make the very DNA. It changes your DNA. It changes the very DNA of your life. When you begin to eat of his flesh, what that means is his body, his life becomes your life. And you begin to walk and you begin to talk and you begin to think and live as he lived when you eat that flesh. You see, communion is more than just some kind of a religious ritual. It is literally a divine impartation. 
And when you begin to eat in faith and you begin to drink in faith, something happens supernaturally in your life. God wants you to know that you are no longer hostage to the past. He wants you to know that you are a new woman, a new man in Jesus. In fact, do you know why Jesus, the Son of God, was called the Son of Man? Because he was the first among many. Jesus as the Son of Man meant that Jesus literally was the prototype. He was the first runner-up. That meant that he was going to be the example of all the other sons and daughters that would follow him. They would take on the very nature, the very image of God, and you would walk and talk like Jesus. Amen. Look, turn to your neighbor and say, there's something powerful inside of you. Amen. There's something powerful. There's something life-giving in you this morning. In other words, I want you to realize that sickness, disease, sin shall not have dominion over your body anymore. You have the mind of Christ right now. You have a new vision. You have a new faith. You have unbelievable power. Jesus said, this power I give to you. I give you power. Everyone say power. That power comes because of relationship. It's because of faith. You see, I have to make a shift in my thinking. So when we begin to eat and drink this morning, I really believe there's going to be an impartation. We've seen people healed, people saved, people delivered. Because they eat and drink in faith. Everyone say, in faith. See, what's happening is when you do this in faith, there's a transfer. There's a transformation. The Bible says in Isaiah that he came to give us beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He comes to make you trees of righteousness. He comes to restore the ancient ruins. He comes to restore the desolation of many generations. That means he breaks a generational curse. I've heard people say, you know, Pastor, I'm just kind of a a default. I'm saved by default. I'm, I'm here by default. I'm just kind of here because, you know, I was raised in church and I've never seen any patterns or cycles broken in my life. Well, that's because your focus is on the wrong thing. You need to get your eyes on Jesus. That's what the purpose of communion is to get you to realize that Jesus has broken the power of sin and darkness off your life. You are a new creature in Christ this morning. Because our ushers go ahead and if they can come forward and take their place. I want everybody to bow your heads as they're coming. Because the Bible says, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, Let a man so examine himself. It doesn't mean that you're to put yourself under the microscope and condemn yourself. It means to examine yourself to see whether or not you are putting your trust in the Lord. Or are you putting your strength, are you putting your trust in how you live and how you think? You see, one of the the greatest things that God could deliver you from is trust, trusting yourself. He wants you to put your trust in Him. He wants you to put your faith in Him. And this morning, through this operation and celebration of the Feast of Passover, as we take communion, 
Jesus wants you to know that you're already free. He wants you to already know that your sins have been forgiven. He wants you to already know that He's been raised for you, for your justification. You are no longer a victim of sin, but you're a son of righteousness. You're a daughter of righteousness. And He declares freedom. He declares life. He declares a new beginning through the power of the blood and the broken body of Jesus. Father, we come to you this morning. We celebrate all that this communion means and all that you did for us at Calvary. You spoiled principalities and powers. And Father, if any among us this morning has been separated through sin or unbelief, Father, we just come back to the cross and we confess our faith in Jesus. We confess you as the restorer of our soul and paths to dwell in. Lord, we acknowledge you as King Jesus of our life. Lord, we choose to let go. Everyone say, let go. I'm going to let go of things that I've been hanging on to that have been killing me. I'm going to let go of fear. I'm going to let go of condemnation. I'm going to let go of the past. And I'm going to take hold of the promise that I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I've got a new DNA. I'm an overcomer. God is doing things abundantly above what I could ask or think today. And I give Him praise. And everyone said, Amen. Just stand to our feet. Something's going to happen this morning as we take communion. Everyone say something. Something's going to happen as you take in faith this morning. There's going to be some powerful healing. There's going to be some amazing transformation this morning in faith. Amen. We're not just doing this as a ritual. Jesus expects you to experience his love in his presence this morning because you're special to him. You're very special to him. Let's come in faith. You come this side and you folks come this side over here and let's just come as our singers are singing. singing. Can we sing that David again? Can we sing that song again? The song you're playing right now. Spirit break. Spirit break out. Yes. Break down all. Spirit break out. Heaven come down. Thank you, Lord. Break our walls down. Spirit, break out. Heaven come down. Spirit, break out. Thank you. Break our walls. Yes. Heaven come down. Spirit break out.
heaven come down. Jesus said this in John. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they're dead. Let me repeat that. It says your fathers ate bread under an old covenant and they're dead. Do you know there's still people today eating manna from an old covenant theology? You know what that manna represents? It's a manna that they had to gather. It's a manna that if they didn't in their own strength go out and get it, they wouldn't eat for that day. You see, I want you to know that we're under a new day where Jesus said that I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. It's a bread that has come down and it's a bread that completely revitalizes and rejuvenates and just jump starts your life into a new dimension. Jesus said, I'm the living bread. Jesus wants to give you life. He wants to open your eyes. He wants to open your mind. He wants to open your dreams. He wants to begin to bring resurrection power to you this morning. Jesus said, I am the living bread that has come down. He's coming down right now. I want you to lift up the bread. Father, we thank you for the body that was broken so that we could be made whole. You took the stripes. You took the whip. You were made naked. You were whipped. Your beard was plucked out. You were beaten. And by your stripes, we are healed. We are restored. We are made new. Father, we thank you. And in faith this morning, we take this living bread into our bodies and we thank you for the power of transformation in Jesus' name. Let's eat together, shall we? Eat in faith. Now just give him thanks. Father, we give you thanks. We give you thanks, Lord, that you make all things new. Lord, you've broken the powers of darkness. Now let's lift the cup. Jesus said that this is the blood of my covenant. It's a covenant that he made with the Father. He said, Lord, they can't keep the commandments, but I will go and keep it for them. When the Father made a covenant, He made a covenant with His Son. And Jesus become the living bread. He become the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. And by the blood, we overcome and we are made new in the blood of the Lamb. As we drink this morning, I want you to accept the fact that you stand before a holy God and you are made righteous in his sight. Let's drink together in faith. Now just tell your father how much you love him this morning. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for life. We thank you, Lord, that you're the living blood and living bread that has come down among us this morning. We celebrate the victory in Jesus as new creatures raised in power, raised for your glory this morning, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we're not just fathers and mothers, but you've made us supernatural, supernatural in your sight this morning. We are no longer weak, but we are made strong through the power of grace this morning, made new through the blood of Jesus.
and we give you praise. Let's just wait before the presence of the Lord this morning. Just wait upon Him. Right now, the Lord is just speaking. He's breathing upon you. Some of you this morning, He's letting you know how special you are. Some of you, the Lord right now is healing your body. He's raising you up. He's letting you know that He loves you. Loves you abundantly this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Spirit, come down. Spirit, come down. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Jesus. Lord, we love you, Lord. We bless you, mighty God. Father, we love you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We worship. We bless you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. We bless you, mighty God. Thank you, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Worthy, O oh Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus, Jesus. Father God, it is very under I just I just sense Revelations chapter 3 it says behold I stand at the door and I'm knocking I just sense the Lord knocking on the door and I just I see a door that's been not only just shut but it's like latched with many locks and someone has been so wounded and you've put, put these padlocks and you've said, I will never let anyone in again. I will not trust ever again. And I just see the Lord standing on the outside of this person's heart and he's knocking and he's saying, it is me. I am the one in whom your soul will delight and find refuge 
and find peace. Jesus says even to you right now that I am the shepherd of your soul and I will lead you beside still waters that will cause you to lie down in green pastures. Just sense someone this morning you've been just in a fight. You've been wrestling for so long and you've locked the doors of your heart And the Lord is just coming this morning and saying, I want you to open the door of your heart. Let me in, saith the Lord. Just let me in. I can make new. I can heal and make all things new. Father, we just pray for that person or people. We ask you to We know it's not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit. Lord Jesus, we just, we draw nigh to you. Put our faith and trust in you. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Turn to someone and give them a hug and you may be seated this morning. keep our hearts in a posture towards you that we'll just receive from you this morning. If our ushers want to go ahead and come, we will just take this morning's tithes and offerings, continue our worship. We know God is faithful. Yes, Lord. We just, we praise your name in the midst of any anxiety in our finances. We thank you for what you're doing this morning and in our lives. We thank you that you are faithful and the words that you've spoken to us this morning in our hearts and through the prophetic, they're just going to come to pass. Your yes is yes. Your amen is amen. And I just thank you in our finances for anyone who needs breakthrough or peace. We just cast all our cares on you this morning. We know that you care for us and we just honor you with the tithe and the offering in Jesus name. Amen. As they're doing that, I'll just uh, want to welcome you this morning. If you're visiting, just we're glad to have you. Thanks for joining our family and worshiping with us. Um, a few things that are going on around new life. You can see your bulletin for specific details or for things you might possibly forget that I say. I can't imagine that happening, forgetting anything that I say. So um, tonight there are no life groups because today, directly after church, we are having potluck in the Walker Hall. Um, so feel free to join us for that. Even if you um, did not bring something, come, please come and stay. There's always more than enough food. And then directly after that, we will have our annual financial meeting. So for those of you who are members or who attend New Life and Call It Your Home and who give into this house and you want to see how that money is being used and stewarded, this is your time to just come and see where it's going and if you have questions and all that good stuff. And that takes 20 or 30 minutes, but it's, it's just a good thing to know. So feel free to join us for that and then no life groups. Um, you've seen signs and notes. We've got a garage sale coming up just for some funds to go into the house. So you've got a big thing right here with all your details. The garage sale is next Saturday, 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. 
If you can arrive an hour early or as early as possible to help, Judy will be here. As far as dropping items off to, to donate to the garage sale, that can happen. She will be here tonight between 5 and 7 if you want to bring anything up tonight. There is um, prayer going on tomorrow night at New Life, so if you want to bring something up tomorrow night, there will, the doors will be open, and you can bring things to Walker Hall tomorrow night. Um, and Wednesday night during our regular classes, you can bring things then. And then Friday night, if you... If you please try to bring stuff before Friday night, but I mean, we're not going to say no and turn your stuff away. But Friday night, if you can come help set up, set the tables up and price items, anybody who can help, that would be awesome. Judy will put you to work. Um, Judy, will you wave your hands in case anyone doesn't know Judy's over there if you don't know her? Um, but if you have any questions, you can see her for any specifics. Um, all right, I think that's all I'm going to let you guys. You guys see your bulletin for other stuff coming up around the house. And um, hold on, Jennifer. Um, Kathy. Kathy has a word. Ray and Carol, can you come up here, please? We'd like to take just a moment to honor our pastors, Ray and Carol. This year will mark in their life 25 years of serving in this house as pastors. There's your picture. See that? <laughs> Can't let this go by. Wow. I'm thinking of the end of the book of John where Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. And you guys have chosen to love Jesus by loving his people. 25 years. That's 1,300 Sunday morning services, <laughs> 1,300 Wednesday night teachings, wow. hundreds of life groups, leaders meetings, and a myriad of behind-the-scenes things that you cannot possibly imagine as far as renovation, and decorating, tearing down walls, building walls, wow. all of that insurance, all the things that go on behind the scenes that you never see, but Jesus sees wow. each and every one of them, and he Thank says, so well done. Wow. And I'm reminded of the song, Thank You for Giving to the Lord. Uh, I am a life that was changed. Uh, praise God. <laughs> and there are many, many, many people will be in heaven because of what you guys have done. And the song says, Thank you for giving to the Lord. Wow. I'm so glad you gave. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> we want to invite all of you. We invite you all to come at, to the fellowship and have a 25 anniversary, a 25 blessed year anniversary cake, and uh, just give them a big round of applause. And thank you. Give them a big hug at the fellowship and tell them how much they mean to you. Okay, the children are dismissed. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. <laughs> hey, I, I gotta say, Carol, come here just for a minute. I want to just thank thank the church uh, for putting up with us too, by the way. Uh, you know, we don't see this as a job. It's not a job. It's been a blessing. It's a calling. Uh, you know, we're not here because of a career. It wasn't a career move. We're here because we really love people. We love you. To me, you guys are what it's all about. That's, that's what's most important. And, and uh, 
we, we just thank the Lord. We love, we love our city. We love where God's put us. It's been a joy to serve here in our, and where we live here in the Garland area. And we're, we're so grateful for the hundreds of people that we've come to know and our friends. And we want to thank you all for just your faithfulness through the years. I'm not kidding, but you've been a great joy. I do want you to forget this picture up here, though. I, it's, it's amazing how much we change, isn't it? Back there, I actually had hair. Uh, but here's my... I want you to pick up. Oh, honey. Honey, you're still good looking. Wow. Yeah. I think David was seven when we arrived. And Jared was ten, or nine and a half, something like that. Aaron was two and a half. I don't know where he went, but um, when I was pregnant with my oldest child, just a couple months, a prophetic word came over to our Ray and I at a presbytery, and and the prophet said, "And I will bring I will bring blessing to you and to your marriage, and I will give you." A people, a church building, a house, a home, a piano, and I will prove to you Jehovah Jireh. And that was when I was just pregnant with Jared. And uh, then the Lord added to our lives, our children, our three sons, and then God added our wonderful daughters-in-laws and then our awesome grandkids. So when he said, I will bring blessing to you, he kept his word. Yeah. And we thank him for that. Because, yes. And then he brought you all into our lives. Yes. That's Praise part God. of that blessing, right. too. People come into our lives, and then sometime they leave, but you never stop loving them. That's never right. Stop loving That's them. right. Just like a parent, you just never stop loving your kids, do you? No right. matter what road they go down, you just keep loving. That's right. We just love God's people. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you so much. Jennifer has a word she wants to share. I just want to love on the Lord some more before we're done. He is such a good father. And does anybody remember or what it feels like or is it experiencing it now, what it feels like to go from paycheck to paycheck? Yeah. Well, my boss didn't come to work yesterday because she didn't feel like it, so I didn't get paid yesterday. But it's okay because God is my source. He's my provider, not the paycheck, not the boss, not the job. Him. Right, right, right. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. You know, God, God says he will always provide. Amen. He's a good God. Well, we want to just... Uh, before we, I want to get into a short word this morning because we have a lot going on. We have this pot. Like, I really pray y'all can stay and celebrate with us and eat afterwards. But right after the potluck as well today, we, we do have a financial meeting that we, we want everyone to know. We, 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 we do this every year, and it's important for you to know uh, how we spend the money that, that God brings into us our tithes and offering, and it's, it's our accountability to you. We want you to know uh, where things are, and Brother John, uh, an elder, will be uh, 
We'll be sharing that as well this afternoon. Um, before I get into the Word, and by, by the way, you can all take your uh, Bibles, and if you want to jump with me into uh, Galatians chapter 6 this morning, Galatians chapter 6, uh, I wanted to honor some people this morning. I wanted to honor some family or friends this morning to... Uh, I want to honor Dave and Dana Bulward and Neam and Megan and family, Aaron and Marie Galligan, David Galligan, Joanne Lovio, Bill Johnson, Alex Erzako and his kids, and Robin Rose, and Jerry Overture, Mary Zapata, Dwight and Gay Lizzie. They all came in to our church work day. And how many of you know some things were cleaned up around here and I mean, we, we so appreciate from yard work to cleaning the garage uh, to putting some bark dust on the west side of the entrance of the sanctuary outside. We want, I'm going to just give those guys a hand for being <laughs> blessing us yesterday. I mean, we so appreciate their labor of love and what they did for us. Could I have my mic turned down? I've got a lot of feedback up here if it's possible. Um, I, it's pretty loud up here. Can we turn into, into Galatians chapter 6? Galatians chapter 6. I'm, I'm starting a series on the power of restoration. Uh, you know, aren't you grateful that God is a restoring God? You know, today we, we live in a, we're in a political year. I don't know if any of you are watching the news. It's difficult to watch all that kind of mudslinging that's going on in the news. And, but, but we live in a, in a society, and, and when you have people that do not know the Lord, the tendency is, is, is to start slinging mud. And we start using our mouth, and uh, our words can destroy. There's, there's an old saying that many of you know that it used to go like this, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Well, that's not true. We, we know based on what the Word of God, your words have power to create life and death. And so I, I want to speak to you on the power of restoration. And the reason is, is because when Jesus came to earth, in the preaching of the gospel, Jesus' intent was to bring heaven on earth. And that's what he taught in the outline of his prayer as he told his disciples that when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so one of the things that Jesus did is Jesus, when he came, he gave us a picture of heaven. And one of the first things he did which was so important is that Jesus began to give us a picture of a relationship between the Father and the Son. In other words, God desired a family. God had family in mind clear back in Genesis 1 when he put Adam and Eve in the garden. His plan was for family. And yet today in our society, we have a very dysfunctional very broken society. All of us have come out of some form of dysfunction. When you have dysfunctional families, dysfunctional marriage, it, re it can result in dysfunctional upbringing. When you have dysfunctional family, because the family is the core, it will begin to result in 
dysfunctional places of employment, dysfunctional politics, dysfunctional government, because the family is at the core. When the family breaks down, so goes the nation. That's why we need to be focused on the family. In the book of Malachi, the very last chapter, by the way, could you turn me down just a little more? I'm really hot. Or I'm talking about my mic up. It's really loud up here if you could. Thanks, guys. Um, when Malachi closed the last prophet in the Old Testament, God said this through the, the prophet. He said that unless Elijah comes and he begins to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children of the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And that, that's a powerful statement. So one of the end time voices, one of the end time messages of the kingdom is the restoration of family. God desires to restore us, but it's not just restoring unity in the home, but it's restoring our sense of identity, restoring us as far as who we are as men, who we are as women, who we are as sons and daughters. In our churches today across America, we have many, many people. They have a theology. They have a knowledge of church. They have a knowledge of, 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 of religion. But very few really have a knowledge of the message of the kingdom that brings them to a place where they're restored, where their confidence is restored, where their understanding is restored, where they can really fully walk and talk as the overcomers Jesus created them to be. You were created to be an overcomer. You were created to be life-giving. You were created in the very image of God. And we find that in Genesis 1, when God, the Bible says, in the sixth day, he created man in God's image, the very image of God. And there were some things God said about man. He said, let us make man in our, our image. And let, him, let us give him dominion. And he will subdue and have dominion over all the things in the earth. And God placed Adam in the garden. And it was in the garden God gave him the power to name the animals. By the way, he wasn't just going around naming a camel and a horse and a pig and a chicken. That, it was so much bigger than just giving the animals names. What God was saying to Adam is, I'm giving you the power to create and to bring things into existence through declaration, by declaration, by declaring things. Do you know that you have the power to declare? You have the power to create. You have the power through your mouth, through your attitude. And that's why today when we, when we come into the New Testament, when Jesus came and he came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom was a kingdom that was not for the future, but it was for the present. Jesus intended for people to begin to understand and grasp that his plan, his desire, and his plan was for people to experience present victory. I want you to experience present life right now. It's not just something in the sweet old by and by when we meet on that beautiful shore someday uh, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. No, that's not what God's plan is. God wants heaven to come now, even right now, into our life right now. He wants you to experience that life. And, and so what Jesus 
begin to do, he began to bring the message of the Beatitudes, and he began to bring the message of, of the love of the Father, and he began to open our eyes about the relationship that Jesus had with the Father. And, and then throughout the early state of the early church age in the first century, when we come into the book of Acts chapter 1, when the apostles were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit was poured out, and we begin to see that it said that they all were in one place, and, and they were seated together waiting for the promise of the Father as the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the 120 in the upper room, it says they were all together in one place and that the Holy Spirit descended upon them and they begin to speak with other tongues. But not, that wasn't the only thing. They begin to represent in the world what the, the, the attitude and the, and the spirit of the kingdom was. And that was love for one another. There was a love and there was an honor that no one had ever seen before. There was no jealousy, there was no envy, there was, a, there was an honor, there was a love, there was an adoration, there was affirmation, there was respect. Not only among uh, people, but even among different ethnic groups and different races, and there, there was, they, they, because we find in that time that there were nations, the Bible says there were people from different tribes and nations all gathering together in Jerusalem, and they all came together in that one place, and, and they were not only baptized with the Holy Ghost and power, but they were baptized with a fresh spirit of the love of God. And the love of God permeated the place. And it's interesting, at the end of chapter 2, it says that in the eyes of all the people, it says the church found favor in their eyes. Found favor. Everyone say favor. Do you know that when the church gets its act together, the world actually is going to like you? Now you may say, well, pastor, I thought that the world's going to persecute. Where's the persecution part come in? Well, let me tell you where really the world and the persecution comes in. Uh, and Jesus brings a lot of these things out. But the persecution part really comes from the religious sect. But you'll find that Jesus, Jesus found favor among the publicans and sinners. In fact, Luke chapter 15, verse 1, it said that one day the Pharisees came to the disciples and they were upset with Jesus because he ate and drank with sinners. In other words, they found a place of rest. They found that they could come and be around Jesus. And Jesus was different than the scribes. He, he was different than the Pharisees. And the, the thing about Jesus was that he, he wasn't just kind of slamming the doctrine and preaching old covenant theology and trying to get him in some kind of a Bible school discipleship program. No, what Jesus was doing was he was listening to people. He was listening. And he was touching their lives. He was befriending ungodly, broken people. He befriended them. And then he honored them. When he honored these people, I mean, it was, there was such an honor and such a, such a power in that honor and that love and that faith in that unbeliever that it caused prostitutes 
to turn their back on their prostitution and completely sell out to, to becoming a follower of Jesus. They stopped hating men and they started seeing life through a whole different lens all because of the power of love. Jesus was able to take people like thieves and, and, and tax collectors who were only focused on materialism and making money and getting ahead and brought these guys to a place where they were willing to give all, forsake all and follow Jesus, all because Jesus honored them. You see, the kingdom of heaven is a kingdom of honor. Jesus didn't come and he didn't focus on all the things they did wrong. He focused on who they were in the eyes and the mind of the Father in heaven. And what he, say, what he was saying to them is that I love you so much. I value you so much that I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. I want you to be my friend. I want to be your friend. And I want you to experience all that the Father has. You see, what Jesus brought was kindness, compassion, friendship, value. And, and he wasn't in some kind of rush to build his empire. He was focused on people. Jesus one day had just got done feeding the 4,000 and then he said to the disciples, we've got to go to the other side. And he puts his disciples in this storm, in this boat. You remember when the disciples were in the storm? And they're going all the way across the Sea of Galilee and it was to the land of the Gadareans. He, he sends them across and they get into this storm. It's amazing what Jesus had to put up with, but he, he puts up with these disciples. He says, you guys go ahead and go, and I'll, I'll, I'll see you a little bit later. Jesus is staying. He goes up into the mountains and prays. While he's up in the pray, uh, mountain praying, he, the Bible says that Jesus sees the disciples, and it says the winds were contrary, and they were rowing, but yet they were making no headway. And the Bible says that the, in the middle of the storm. How many of you know God loves to come to you right when you're in the middle of it? Right in the middle. You're right in the middle. You've gone too far where you can't go back, and yet you've gone far enough where you can't see the other side. God always comes to you right in the middle. It's in the middle that he comes to them. He gets into the boat. He calms the storm. The Bible says all of a sudden, within seconds, the boat is on the other side. It literally says, Jesus just transported that boat right to the other side, into the land of the Gadarenes. And it says that when Jesus gets out of the boat, it's found in the book of Mark chapter 5, when Jesus gets out of the boat, there meets him a man of the tombs. He's a madman. He's a man that is filled with a legion of demons. And the Bible says no one could constrain him. He broke the chains and people literally tried to confine this madman into the place where he was isolated and cut out of society. But isn't it interesting? Jesus leaves the 4,000. He also brings his disciples with him, 
I would have been Jesus, I probably would have left the disciples just because of all the trouble they were bringing along. But Jesus brings them because he's, he's teaching his disciples something. But do you know what he does? Jesus leaves the 4,000 and he crosses a stormy sea. He deals with the issues of his disciples to meet one man who's a madman. And while he's there, the Bible says Jesus confronts the situation, deals with the demonic issue, casts the demons into 2,000 pigs which go over a cliff and drown in the sea. And it's interesting, the Bible says that the man who was demon-possessed came to himself and was in his right mind and clothed. And it says, and then the men from the city came out, now listen to this, and asked Jesus to leave. Isn't it amazing that there's some people that cannot handle something that God does which is good, and so they ask Jesus to leave. And Jesus left. That's the sad thing, is when Jesus actually will do what you want. If you don't want Jesus, he'll leave. And he left. But guess what? An interesting little paradox in this scripture. The demons in the man said to Jesus, give us permission to enter into the pigs. And it says, and Jesus let them go and enter into the pigs. But the man who he delivered asked Jesus, Jesus, can I follow you? Can I follow you and be your disciple? And it's amazing what Jesus said. He said, no, I don't want you to follow me. But go home. Go to your city and begin to use your testimony and let the whole city know how your heavenly Father was good to you. And do you know that according to Josephus and the writings of Josephus, in the land of the Gadareans, about 50 to 60 years later, the entire region was converted to Christianity and many scholars believe it was because of the witness of the man who was delivered from the legion of demons because there was no other witness of Christ in that, in that area. That man brought the entire, those small cities, the land of the Gadarenes, which was east of the Sea of Galilee, to Christ because of, of what God had done. How many of you know God can do that in all of our lives? brought deliverance, but it was all because of the kindness and the goodness of God. I want you to see something in Galatians chapter 6 from a man, the Apostle Paul, who's writing to the church at Galatia, who had become very cynical, very critical, and this is what happens when we begin to depart from grace, is we become legalistic and we begin to become this way, but he says this in chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he's deceived himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, not in another. For each one shall bear his 
own load. Can you say amen to the scripture? Paul is addressing this church at Galatia. They had actually, if you go back to previous chapters, Paul was concerned and he says that I'm concerned for you guys that you're leaving and departing from the grace of God. In fact, he says in chapter 4, he says, I even have doubts about you. He's so concerned. Because he was, he was addressing the fact that these people felt that if they could work hard enough, and if they in their own strength could serve God with good intentions, that they could find that place of approval and acceptance. And Paul says that it's not through the obedience of the law that we're made righteous but it's by faith in what Jesus has accomplished through Calvary. And in the midst of this, there were people that were failing. There were people that were having, that had scars in their life. Sin had made its indelible impact and and, and touch on their life. And so Paul begins to remind them about the grace of God. And he says, brethren, he addresses, first of all, to the brethren. He's, he's addressing, he's, he's really not talking about unbelievers, but he is saying, brethren, if any, everyone say any. Any means all. If any man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you be tempted. Paul is saying here that if we're going to bring restoration, it's going to require a spiritual person. It's going to require people who understand the spiritual side. He didn't just talk about something psychological or emotional. He says, you who are spiritual... Restore. Everyone say restore. Restore. See, in other words, what he is saying is when you ever come in contact with someone who is failing, or someone who is stumbling, you who are spiritual. Now I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you're spiritual. Amen. You're a spiritual person. Now you may say, Pastor Ray, no they're not. Well, guess what we're doing? We're declaring by faith that they are. You who are spiritual, notice what he didn't say. You who are spiritual, isolate him, put him to the test, and ostracize him. No, he says, you who are spiritual, restore. If any, everyone say any again. Yes. There are any person, have you ever heard of anybody ever falling, failing? stumbling. Well, pastor, I can forgive anybody, but not my spouse. Well, how many of you know that any involves my spouse? It involves my kids. You know, the the tendency is, Jesus even said that the man's own enemies will be of his own house. I I can't tell you as a pastor how many times I've had people, you know, sometimes Carol and I as pastors over the years, and is that you know we know things come through us and as pastors as leaders and and that's the way it is but one of the most important things is confidentiality but i I remember several years ago there was a just one example of an individual who was a young man come to our church 
And uh, he had a serious problem with alcoholism. He, he had a, a real weakness in the area of alcoholism, and he, he was drinking. But what he did was he used alcohol in a way to deal with the pain. And it took me some time just to develop a relationship with the guy. But he mentioned to me that when he was very young, his parents had put him into a Catholic school. And he was raised by nuns. And he said, when I was very, very young, and it was kind of astonishing that he mentioned this, but he, I believed him, and I, I do believe what he said was true. But he says, these nuns abused me. They sexually abused me. And as he grew up, he said, I grew to hate women. I hated them. And he says, when I became a teenager, I didn't know how to... He said, my parents put me in the school because of the fact that my parents were on the road. Both of them had very successful jobs, but they had, they put me in this Catholic boarding school, and he says, I was being abused, and I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to tell anybody, how to talk to anyone, but I was being abused. And he says, what I did was I turned to alcohol to cope with the pain. And he said, I was the first person he'd ever told that to anybody. And I, I said, you know what? It's been a real trap for you. And he says, he says, I've hated this. I hate what I have. He says, I, I don't know how to have a real, I don't know how to have a normal, real, by the way, by the time he was in our church, he was in his early thirties at the time. He said, I don't even know how to relate to, to the opposite sex. I, I, I don't know how to work with women because I got so much garbage in my brain and what I was raised up under, what my parents just, I feel like they just kind of farmed me out, put me in this thing. And I, I've been, I have so many secrets in my life and I don't know how to deal with the pain. And, and then he said this, and this is what the devil does. He said, I feel responsible for it. He said, years later, I have, I've had so much hate in my heart. This is what he said. There's been times where I wanted to go, because, by the way, he was raised, it was an actual Catholic school here in Dallas. He's gone back to that very school in Dallas and tried to find those nuns and tried to talk to some of the priests. And he says, every time I've gone back to those places, nobody will talk to me. They just kind of shut me out the door and pushed me away. And he says, when I finally came to New Life... I." And you guys start talking about the love of God and hope. He says, I, I really was mocking you. Because I didn't believe. I didn't believe that there was a God in heaven. Because these, these so-called people that claim to be people of God were abusing me. And how, how could God, why would God do that to me? I mean, he had some legitimate issues, legitimate questions. And when we were sitting down and talking... He, I, I, I said, I want you to share everything. He says, will you judge me? Are you going to judge me? I said, no, no. No, I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to simply listen to you. What you have to say is so important. No one's going to judge you. In fact, if anything, I, I want you to know that your view and your image of God was shaped by people who misrepresented the Lord. But I said, God and actually restore the years that the canker worm had eaten. God wants to heal you. And you know what was so important? He, he didn't, didn't need a discipleship class. He 
wasn't looking for somebody just to kind of tell him to get rid of his anger and shape up and repent, forgive those people in the past, although those kind of things down the road were important. But what he needed right then and there was the ability to simply know that he was in a safe place where he could open up about some very personal private information and know that he could be heard without his confidential issues being spread around. He needed to know, is this a safe place? How many of you know that the world needs to know that the church is a safe place? Unfortunately, it's not always been a safe place. But this guy needed to know, and this is what some of our leaders who, who worked with him at the time, we let him know that we loved him in spite of what he walked through. And he couldn't believe that. He could, I mean, you still love me? Even though I have this hate against God and against women, you still love me? I said, I still love you. In fact, I said, I am your friend. He just couldn't believe it. Why would you be my friend? God, I, know, I know God's a God of love, but I, 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 I hate women. Would you let me still be your friend if I still want to hate women? I said, I still will be your friend. I still want to be your friend. I see lots of value. And guess what happened over time? The walls begin to crumble. The fear begin to come down. All of a sudden, he began to believe, wow, I haven't met anybody like this. I didn't know you could be open about a problem without being slammed and jammed and judged and shamed. You mean, I can tell you anything. I can tell you anything and everything and you're going to still like me. I said, yeah, I'm still going to love you. I don't believe you. He, he said that. I don't believe you. I said, test me out. Test me out. I wasn't the only one. Some of our other leaders here were working with him as well. But there were times he came to church, stoned, drunk. I had a few people in New Life here said, Pastor, you know, the guy's older, he's kind of mm, 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 tipsy, you know, he's tipsy. I said, it's okay. It's okay. You think we ought to let people come to church tipsy? I said, it's okay. See, I, I'm not going to tell other people about this guy's problem. I knew what he was going. He was, he was medicating. He was self-medicating. But people didn't know what he walked through. And you see, I would rather have a person stone-cold drunk at New Life in the presence of God because, you know what, I've seen people who have been drunk all of a sudden made sober in seconds because the power of God, God's presence, can set them free and heal them in a second. God's love is that powerful. I'm not worried about their condition. In fact, God's not worried about their condition. In fact, Jesus says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden with sin. And he didn't say, I'll shut you out. No, he says, I'll give you rest. Well, pastor, it seems like you're opening the door to sin here. You're making light of sin. No, no, no. We're doing the opposite of that. We're empowering people so they can overcome their sin. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. If a man be overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, I want to give you some things, what it means to be spiritual, and I'm going to go through this quickly, and I'm, this is opening up a series I'm starting here. First of all, what it means to be spiritual. First of all, we need to have the eyes. If Go ahead and put that up. 
Restoration and healing always involves, is always in your heart. You have a heart towards those who fall. We need, a, we need to have a heart towards those who fail. You know what Jesus said one day? There was a woman who came into the house with Simon. He was washing his feet and he says, to whom much has been forgiven, the same loves much. In other words, we can never love people or forgive people if we've never experienced the love of God ourselves. To the degree of your knowledge of God's grace will be the degree you'll be able to give grace. That if you're not operating in healing and helping people, it's because you have a very, very limited knowledge of the grace of God. See, restoration involves having a heart of the Father. The Bible says, for God so loved the church. No, he didn't say that. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. See, restoration involves, I'm going to give my time. I'm going to give faith. I'm going to give them a chance. I'm going to give them hope. Amen? Restoration means that I have a heart towards those. And the reason why I have a heart towards those who fail is because God was merciful to me. If you have no mercy for those who are broken, you need to ask yourself, have I really ever had God reveal His love and grace to me? Usually people that are cynical and critical towards others, like the Pharisees. Remember in John chapter 8? John chapter 8, Jesus was brought a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. We caught her! And they bring her and they shamefully throw her on the ground. And, and the whole purpose was to set Jesus up to actually to entrap him well, Moses said that according to the law of Moses, we need to kill this woman and stone her to death. What do you say, Jesus? I mean, what, there, there's some churches that when people sin, they want, to have a, they want to have a holy court and stone them. That's not the spirit of Christ. Well, pastor, it looks like you're overlooking sin then. No, 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 no. No, no, we're not overlooking sin. Not at all. But restoration, restoration is about helping people who fall in sin. And Jesus made this profound statement in front of all those scribes and Pharisees. He says, He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And they all drop their rocks and they walk away. And what does Jesus do with the woman? He goes up to her and Jesus asks the question, Where are your accusers? She looks around. And they're all gone. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What he did was the grace gave her the strength. It was love. It was the fact that he believed in her that gave her the power that shut the door to her past. She would never go back to that again. I don't believe she went back to that. You know what? Because she had a revelation of the love of God. When people fail, we need to have a heart towards them because Jesus has a heart towards us. The second thing here is we need to have a love for people. 
You can't give what you don't have. You never experienced the love of God if you've never experienced. I'm not talking about theology. Just I, I, I've known people that have have had a theology. <clears throat> I'm going to close with this second point because our time is gone. We need to move on. There, there was a, a years later. There was a a wonderful woman in our church. She was a tremendous believer. Loved loved the Lord, but she had an she had an unsaved husband. Her husband. Uh, uh, was a professing non-believer. He, he, he didn't want to be a Christian. But she was a, an amazing woman, part of our church here at New Life, and she loved the Lord. And she had invited Carol and I over to her home one day for dinner. We came over to her house. <clears throat> and uh, and she, she would often, before that I should say, she would often ask us to pray for her husband for salvation. And and uh, a very, again, very gracious woman, a, a tremendous love for the Lord and love for his house. Uh, but she invited us over one day. And when we went into the home, she was inviting us over. We noticed, I noticed around the, the, the walls of her house were e- easily 20 to 30 framed pictures. They weren't just pictures of, of, the, of Jesus and the disciples. But, but many of the pictures were framed scriptures. And a lot of those scriptures that were in these, the, the, uh, the frame was scriptures that had to do with repent or else. Uh, you, you know, you need to repent, you need to come clean, you need to get right with God, or uh, come unto me all you that labor. There were some good scriptures, but, but some scriptures were scriptures of warning. And by the way, there are scriptures of warning. And we know that if we don't respond to the grace of God. And, and I, I remember one time I excused myself and even went into the restroom. I was in the restroom and I noticed scriptures on the walls. And, and how many of you know Jesus called, called us to be salt and light of the earth? But can I, can I suggest that, that Jesus didn't call us to be a flashlight where we just glare it in their eyes. He said to be light of the world. Being the light doesn't mean you glare the light in their eyes to the point where they're, they're blind. And so I, I, I took the lady aside about a week later. I said, by the way, we had a great time at your home, but can, can I make a recommendation? I usually don't do this, so I, I, we probably won't get anybody coming to their house because of this. But, but I made a recommendation to this woman. I said, this is just a suggestion. To, I said, why don't you pull all the plaques down from your walls. She said, why? Why do you want me to pull? Those are scripture verses and pictures of Jesus. I said, I know. And I said, your husband is getting the point, but you're cramming it down his throat. And I said, I know in your desire to share Jesus and get him saved, your light's a little too bright. And I said, it might be good for you to take all the plaques down and just love him into the kingdom because you're trying to preach to him because he won't listen to you guess what she actually did that she takes all the plaques down and her husband comes and he says are you having problems at your church what, what, what's what's happening uh, why, why are you pulling why are you pulling all the Jesus pictures and all these scriptures down she said I and she didn't tell her husband that I suggested this. She said, 
well, I just, I'm just going to put some other things up. What's, what's, are, are you not a Christian anymore, or what's going on? He couldn't figure out what was going on. She was backing off, and guess what? She comes to me, and she's elated. He actually sat down, and he's asking questions, and he wants to know about Jesus. And I said, it's because instead of jamming it down his throat, you're just letting the love of God through your life be a demonstration. How many of you know sometimes we can over-preach on people? We, we can let our light shine because we're so upset. I want that man to get saved. I wish, oh God, what, we do something? If you don't do something, I'm putting plaques up and I'm going to get the message in there somehow. See, what you're doing is it's called overkill. Rest, restoring people does not mean that God needs your help. Now, what God needs is for you just, sometimes He just needs you to be a friend. Sometimes just being a friend to your husband or your wife. Maybe it's your children. Sometimes just letting them know that, you know what, I'm not here to preach. I'm not going to lay some scriptures out. I just want you to know that I'm here to listen to you. There, there are four things. I'm going to close real quick on this. Four things real quick. Four things in counseling I think are so important. When I come into counseling and restoration, there are three, four things that I do. Number one, listening. Everyone say listening. Listening is about 90% of counseling. You've got to learn to listen to people. You've got to really learn and really hear them. Even take notes. The second thing is people need to be affirmed. They need to know that you believe in them. Amen? The third thing is you always need to give people hope. Everyone say hope. That's the third thing that we need to... The last thing is this. This was given... I, I'm, I'm part of the American Association of Christian Counselors. I actually heard these four things at the, uh, one of the conferences. The last thing is this. And this guy who said this, I thought it was so good when it comes to restoring people. He said, when you counsel with people, if you don't give them homework to do, then they will not begin to make progress in their journey for healing. So it's great to give people hope. It's great to affirm. It's great to listen. But if you don't give them homework, see, you know what homework does? Homework shows how serious they are about getting help. If you give someone homework to do and they don't do it, guess what that means? They're not serious about getting help. And if we're going to help people, how many of you know we need to give them some homework? Homework might be, well, have you prayed together? Are you reading your Bible? Are you coming to church? Are you seeking the Lord? Are you forgiving yourself? Now, I, I'm going to get talking about these in the weeks to come because restoration, God wants all of us to be able to help restore people. Amen? Let's bow our heads, shall we? We can just bow our heads. Jesus said, I didn't come to gather the righteous together, but to seek and to save them that were lost. The message of the kingdom is not just a message of doctrine, but it's a message of empowerment, relationship, and faith and love.
And this morning, I, I believe that one of the greatest miracles that can happen in our life is when we reflect on what Jesus has done for us so that we can turn around and begin to bring the same grace that he's given to us to others. I have an announcement to make. God wants to use you to be an extension of the Father's hand to people that are broken. We live in a very broken world. We live in a very skeptical, cynical, fearful world. They don't know what the love of God is. They don't really believe that the church really cares about them. They really believe that all we want to do is just have them be added to our numbers and build our little churches. They don't really think. They really don't believe we care about them. That's why we need to be just baptized. We need to be just filled with the love of God. We need to have a revelation of Jesus in ways that we've never known. One thing I, I so appreciate about New Life, this church has been such a giving church. This church has been such a thoughtful, kind. You guys, you guys sacrifice. I am so blessed. Carol and I are so blessed as pastors because you guys give, you serve, you help, you, you make provision all the time. Many of you, you give out of your own lack to help others. I know God's going to continue to bless you. I believe a harvest is coming to every church in our nation. When the Lord brings in the harvest, I want to just say this about the harvest. The harvest is going to get messy. Everyone say messy. People are messy. When God brings people in, they're going to be messy. They're going to have a mess. And God's going to tell you to love, love them even in their mess. He's not bringing nice, clean sinners. He's bringing broken, battered, shattered, hurting people that need the love of God and they need hope. They need affirmation and they need direction. They need direction for their life. God's going to use not just the pastors. He's going to use you. He's going to use you. He's going to use me. Let's stand to our feet, shall we? I want you to take your neighbor by the hand. We're going to pray this morning that the Holy Spirit would just continue to make us vessels in his hand. Father, we thank you for the love of God. We thank you, Lord, that you were so patient. You believed in us, Lord, when we didn't believe in ourselves. You forgave us. Lord, you stood by us. Even like Peter, who denied you, yet, Lord, you still believed in him. Lord, all of us today, we just need the mercy. We need your mercy. We need your love today. Open the heavens on us. Lord, I pray for the rest of this day that as we go into this potluck, I pray you bless this food and the hands that prepared it. Lord, we pray for the anointing and the power of your presence to go with us throughout this day. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Turn to give someone a hug and you're all free to come and stay with us as we come into this little potluck this afternoon.